Yes, well, good evening to you. Firstly, big thanks to the two Johnnies for another entertaining afternoon. It is Thursday, the 9th of March. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, we'll chat association football with David Connolly, Paul Corey and Rebecca Cray. In Six Nations Rugby, Johnny Sexton sets us up for Scotland on Sunday and Jeff Shepherd has our eye on America as a quarterback carousel fires up. While in the NBA, LeBron James and Kevin Durant are laid up. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there, good evening. It's great to have your company, Paul Curry and Rebecca Cray, live in studio. How are you both? Yeah, Very good, Shane. Good, 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 good. A couple of news headlines just to fly through in golf. The Players' Championship is ongoing uh, in Sawgrass and the PJ Tour at the moment. Shane Lowry is the best place of the Irish and he is one over and he is just teed off. So he's approaching the second hole. Uh, it is Chad Ramey, uh, the early leader. Eight under, just approaching the end uh, of his first round. Colin Marikawa, one shot behind on seven under in terms of Irish participation. Hasn't been ideal for Roy McElroy, he is a three over on the last and Seamus Power is due to tee off in about 10 minutes time. Uh, Tom McKibben is uh, best of the Irish after the opening round at the Kenya Open with a 69 leaving him five shots off the lead shared by South African Dylan Mosteret and USA's John Catlin. The Belfast native is two under in a tie for 31st while Gary Hurley is three shots further back after a 72. Kinsale's John Murphy endured a difficult day however uh, he is going to have to fight back from eight over heading into to tomorrow's second round Shanae uh, for golf before we move on to a big story in football and I want to get Paul and Rebecca's thoughts on that just a further reminder I'm sure you've heard it throughout the day here in 2FM that coming up directly after us 7pm is the sold out Orty Choice Music Price live from Bicker Street it is a special extended show four hours long from 7pm so very much uh, looking forward to that so stick with us here on 2FM for that but um, Paul and Rebecca the big story uh, that I did mention there in the world of football and it revolves around French football and that is Corinne Diacre has been sacked as manager of the French national team four months for the Women's World Cup this summer. Uh, she departs after several key players, including captain Wendy Reynard, said they would no longer represent their country. Uh, Reynard released a statement criticising the French system and was joined by teammates Marie-Antoinette Catoto and Caditou Diani in a boycott. Um, listen, there's a lot of politics and a lot of sub-stories, I suppose, to this, Rebecca, but on the face of it, losing your manager in, in a team that, what, well, got to the semi-finals of the Euros just four months out for a World Cup it's fairly disastrous yeah to say the least you know it's 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 absolutely insane like you're, you're looking they're in the group there along with Brazil um, Jamaica and Panama you know it's not going to be an easy fee for them but like yeah this close for a World Cup it's it's insane um, I know there was heavy kind of criticism criticism of, of Wendy Renard as well by the, the Football Federation in France um, for her kind of you know public outcry um, I do know there was a lot of kind of criticism of players by the Acra as well throughout mm. the years um, you know she dropped the likes of Henri and Les Sommers, um over the course of time just before the Euros as well so it's kind of it's a it's a difficult one to, to kind of look and see you know 
so many high profile players leaving a setup um you're kind of questioning like what went on you know mm. um it can't just be something small and and minute you know for for someone to cause so much upheaval so yeah it's it's not the best or no. set up at all no absolutely not not to be stereotypical Paul but we will be getting into Spurs being Spursy but this just <laughs> seems like peak peak France before World Cup doesn't it <laughs> it absolutely does I mean they're, they're probably quite used to preparing for competitions with a bit of disarray even if you look back at the the Qatar World Cup just gone past and you think of Karim Benzema and the, the kind of fiasco that was happening with him and whether mm. or not he was fit or not and being sent home and then not being invited back out for, for the final so it's consistent whether it's men's or women's they always seem to be in a bit of disarray but tend to produce and tend to show up when, when it when it comes to, to game time and looking at their group like Rebecca's just mentioned there you would imagine they would get out of it and then once you get into knockout territory you never know but it would be good if they could kind of clean up their act in advance of that tournament Speaking of French footballers, William Saliba has just put Arsenal one up. Uh, there's 22 minutes gone in the early kickoff in the Europa League. Uh, they're away to Sporting Lisbon. A Saliba header from a Vieira Cross uh, has put Arsenal one up. West Ham are in Athens, AEK Athens. It is nil all there. In the other fixtures, Bayer Leverkusen have a one nil lead over French Farosh. Roma lead Real Sociedad one nil at home. It is goalless in the Union Derby and a goal is also between Anderlecht Villarreal and FC Sheriff and Nice Man United kick off at 8pm against Real Betis and we will hopefully bring you uh, team news if you have that before 7 o'clock um, a bit of other football news that uh, Rebecca you just alerted us to you must have your Twitter notifications on <laughs> the Shamrock is back for a Republic of Ireland team so it looks like uh, judging by the uh, tweet from the official I was going to say the official FEI account but mm. now the official at Ireland football account uh, and they say our new national team crest a nod to the past but set for the future a symbol that represents our pride passion ambition and truly celebrates our iconic shamrock so uh, a complete rebound there fan of the shamrock Rebecca? I'm always a fan of the Shamrock yeah, yeah. it's Ireland isn't it but yeah, yeah I don't know it's it's going to take a while for that one to sit with me I'm going to have to look at it after the show is over and just <laughs> roll over it, to be honest yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you, you employ these marketing agencies to come up with like a creative name have come up with Ireland Football, Ireland football. <laughs> <laughs> as someone pointed out on, on Twitter I enjoyed um uh, I enjoy looking forward to the Ireland Football Cup next year as opposed <laughs> to the FAI Cup. Um, but no, listen, uh, I think a lot of people were calling out for uh, the Shamrock to return. So um, The rebrands work quite well with the League of Ireland, doesn't it? It has, it, yeah. It really has. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we can't kind of diss them for, for trying to change things and trying to, I guess, get away from the past and what has happened yeah. with, with the, the previous era so uh, yeah no fair juice to it, it looks good anyway I'm not sure about the name but the the symbol certainly looks good yeah at Ireland Football well it's a nice little video as well so yeah I'm sure if uh, people on Twitter you can check that out that the Shamrock yeah, is back as well and will be interested to see new Irish uh, jersey I think is in the, the pipeline as well and new manufacturers and everything else so we'll be interested to see how that goes um, Paul, Rebecca you're both sticking around David Connolly will be joining you for European football and speaking of League of Ireland rebrands, rebrands we'll be chatting League of Ireland Women's Premier Division to give its uh, proper title a little bit later on and of course Jeff Shepard will be uh, stopping by with his eye on America uh, but first let's turn our attention to rugby and there was a bit of media action with the in the Irish rugby camp today big match on Sunday against Scotland as Ireland there chasing that Grand Slam and Ireland captain Johnny Sexton is back and he was chatting with our own Michael Corcoran 
You'll be happy, I'm sure, to make the transition from being a spectator to a rugby player again this weekend. Yeah, um, it was a tough watch over in, um, in Italy, but thankfully the lads got the, the business done and uh, it was a great, great result, five points. Uh, did some great things in the game, some work-ons which will be very important for this week. So, uh, you know, despite not playing, i got to take a lot of the lessons from that game and make sure we put them into play this week. And how's your body? How are you fixed? What's the, the last week and a bit been like? Yeah, it's been good. Got you a good bit of training and, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to getting going now. It's a huge um, game, isn't it, in the context of where you are, what you've done, what they've done uh, in, with, with only two rounds of the championship left. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a massive game and it's great that it is like that. You know, if one, if one team was, you know, not playing for something, to have both teams going for, for a lot is, is great. You know, they're going for a championship, they're going for a triple crown, they can obviously win that this weekend. Uh, we're going for championship triple crown same as them and, and uh, we have still have the Grand Slam at stake so uh, yeah it's a massive game yeah. A Scotland team full of confidence particularly with the likes of Finn Russell and people like that in it are, are always that bit kind of slightly more unpredictable Yeah I think um, they are you know very not an unpredictable team because they play, they play we know how they're going to play they play expansive very good brand of rugby um, yeah with, with, with Finn there he's uh, you know he's got a full bag of tricks. You know when you're on, he's on his own line. He, you know he saw against France crossfield kick. Um, you know he had some some other great moments in the game. So uh, we have to be ready for his full array. The, the good news is that we've we've I suppose a lot of the the Leinster boys and the squad have played against him twice this year and um, we're able to kind of you know fill in the guys in terms of. But we've we've played against him for a few years now and uh, we know what to expect. And he's uh, he's at, on top of his game at the moment. I'm not going to compare soccer with rugby, but I will for a second if you don't mind. I know you're a big Manchester United fan, and last Sunday, last Sunday was a difficult watch from from your point of view, I guess. But does that kind of highlight how a quality team, if they're a little bit off, can be can be undone? And is there a similarity with what could happen if you're not fully on this weekend? Yeah, I would say so. Um, also, the fine margins in, in sport, you know, in the first half, the chances they had didn't take, and then. Um, you know the the amount the Liverpool score off in the second half. That they took all their chances, every single one of them. Uh, so, <laughs> as frustrating as it was for me sitting at home with my brother and my Liverpool supporting son, uh, it was not good. So, um, but yeah, look, in every game, in every sport, there's always lessons, and uh, we haven't spoke about it. I'll admit inside, but uh, yeah, as a Man United fan, definitely be looking at it. You've played three, you've won three. There's two huge games left, but the following week doesn't happen unless this week happens. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 a one-off game. Like it, all of them are one-off games. The thing about the Six Nations is you got you obviously got two games in a row to start. Then you got a big, not a big break, but you got a, a week off, then another one, and then you got another break. So it's kind of this is uh, a double game again, but uh, it's very much a one-off. We need to get you know get our best performance out there, you know, to get away from home. Conditions could be tough. Um, you know, it's about grinding things out and, and uh, yeah, making the dream possible to bring it home to the Aviva. And just a final question about Murrayfield as a venue. I mean, what's so special about it? What makes it kind of that bit more unique than other places? Well, I think every time you go there um, will be special, but I think the fact that they're going for a triple crown will make the atmosphere even more special. I think, you know, the, we're saying to the lads, you know, you come in on the bus and you've got the long journey in from the gate, 
around the stadium with the, the bagpipes playing in front. You know, but that's something to embrace and to to cherish because it's uh, part of their culture and what they're, what they're about. So we, you know, have to enjoy that. And then obviously, same with the anthems when they, uh, yeah. So it's it's quite a special moment uh, in Test rugby. I don't think any other country does it. Good stuff. That was Johnny Sexton chatting to Michael Corker and the Irish team will be announced tomorrow. Just a bit of brief rugby news in terms of Six Nations team news. England captain Owen Farrell has been replaced by Marcus Smith at out half for Saturday's Six Nations match against France at Twickenham. Smith has been handed the responsibility for running the side after being a sparsely used replacement against Italy and Wales. It is the most significant selection call of head coach Steve Bortwick's tenure. Prop Ellis Genge will take over as captain. England must beat France to stay in the Six Nations title hunt with the world's number one side Ireland lying in wait in Dublin on the final day world number two side France have made three changes to the side that beat Scotland in their last outing most notably Jonathan Dante will make his first start in the Six Nations at Inside Centre with Yura Mofana dropping to the bench elsewhere Reese Webb is back for Wales at scrum half against Italy and Rome on Saturday his first Six Nations start since 2017 the 34-year-old replaces Tomas Williams, having last begun a test three years ago while Rio Dyer takes over on the wing from Reese Zamet. Wales coach Warren Gatland also brings in Daffod Jenkins, Jack Morgan, Liam Williams and prop Wynne Jones. Dan Bigger has been ruled out by a back problem, so Owen Williams continues at out half for winless Wales. Tommaso Allen will start at fullback for Italy. The Harlequins player who filled the out half role against France and England replaces Ange Capuazzo. So, Sinead, uh, for rugby, very briefly, just before we take a break, we have to give a, a bit of mention, Paul and Rebecca, that I didn't mention that there's also a rebrand of FA Ireland and they've also got their own uh, crest as well. So the FA are proud to launch two new identities for both the FAI and the Ireland national teams, uh, iconically Irish, honouring the past, but ready for a bright future. I mean, I'm, I'm filled with positivity with this, aren't you? No? <laughs> Paul, you already mentioned that the League of Ireland rebranding and how successful it was. Nice little new FAI crest and the governing body of at Ireland Football, at League of Ireland and at LOI Women. I mean, it's all, yeah. it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Come on, a bit of enthusiasm. <laughs> no? I'm, I'm a little, little unclear as to why they've separated FA Ireland from what was the FA Ireland page and made that now what Ireland Football. Yeah. Mm. There's obviously reasoning behind us. I kind of like to have it all in one yeah, one spot, one page. All. Yeah, it's just another in something else now you have to follow and yeah. it affects your ratio of followers to yeah. following. Well, Elon, Elon must be on the button. They've got a blue tick, so happy days. Uh, right, we're going to be chatting uh, on pitch matters. Uh, Rebecca, Paul, and Paul, and uh, David Colley will be joining us in a few moments' time. Stick with us here in Game On Two FM. Game On European Football. Yes, as you may have heard in the break, there is just 40 minutes to go until the Orty Choice Music Prize live from Vicker Street here on 2FM. There will be a special four-hour extended show, so stick with us all the way through the evening on 2FM. But for now, we are going to be chatting European football. Rebecca Cray and Paul Curry are still in studio, and David Connolly joins me now. David, before I throw a Tottenham Hotspur question to you, there are some goal updates. I look up to the TV and I see Mikel Antonio doing a bit of a jig. So I'm assuming he has scored as they show the replay here. It's a whipped ball in. He is onside and it is Antonio who has put West Ham 1-0 up away to AEK Athens. Arsenal did have a 1-0 lead away to Sporting Lisbon. However, that 1-0 lead has 
um, disappeared. It is one all Gonzalo Inacio uh, with a equalising goal. 34 minutes gone in that one and uh, former Spurs player Marcus Edwards setting that one up. So sorry, David Conley, I can welcome you now to the show after my spiel. David Conley, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Well, I tell you what, that's a big goal for West Ham because um, I saw them against Brighton. They were absolutely dreadful. I mean, it was good to see Evan Ferguson um, up close. i got to say, I thought it was excellent. Um, but, but West Ham, boy, they were poor and they need that goal. Very much so. Uh, big boost. And we will be chatting Evan Ferguson um, shortly as well because, uh, listen, any excuse to big up Evan Ferguson, I'll, I'll happily take. Uh, but first, uh, let us chat Spurs. And um, I suppose, David, when the final whistle went yesterday evening, there was a, a feeling around the London Stadium and a feeling, I think, for a lot of people watching on that the end is nigh for Antonio Conte at Spurs. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, if you look at the both, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, sort of Paul and Rebecca would, 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 you know, everyone would tell you the same, right? You look at both games yesterday, or, or sort of look at the Chelsea one, say the first half, and you look at how Spurs approached the game. You know, now both sides were down, both sides needed a goal, and if you compare and contrast the two forty fives, you know, Chelsea were outstanding from the front. You know, first whistle, front foot, aggressive, won every ball. Had numerous chances, you know, balls sort of in the back of the net, goals disallowed. You contrast that with Tottenham and it just wasn't the same intensity there, you know. Chance creation was really low, getting players in the box, you know, winning high turnovers. Uh, just loads of bits and pieces which you think, you know, it didn't look like they had the same bonus or pressure on them or the will to kind of go and win like, like Chelsea did. And... Um, you know, and then, then again, Chelsea started the second half on the front foot aggressive. You just didn't see it from Tottenham. Just didn't see enough. And, uh, uh, you know, they uh, they kind of went out with a whimper. So mm. after the Wolves game as well, after the Wolves game, you know, you, you're expecting a lot more. And, and yeah, I, I'd be amazed if, if Antonio Conte is there next season. Paul, before I throw a question towards that comparison with Chelsea, I do want to apologise to any Cypriot listeners. It is, of course, AEK Larnica who are hosting West Ham, not AEK Athens. So uh, apologies on, the, on that front. Um, Paul, just to follow up on, on what David was saying there about the, the comparison with Chelsea, because it was such a sharp contrast to the positive mindset adopted by Graham Potter, who is a man of, under obvious pressure as well. Like... I mean, I think it was the, the BT Sport pundits after the match. It was dour, drab, pathetic performance, etc. Kind of echoing David's comments there. I mean, I, I can't get my head around in a European clash. How can they be so lacklustre? Yeah, they're so negative, aren't they, when, when they play? So much of the, the play seems to go backwards. And when they haven't got Benton Kerr in the middle of the pitch, there's nobody to really link it from the back three to, to supply the front three. And it seems so pedestrian. Uh, I'm sure AC Milan were kind of looking at it thinking this is unbelievably easy based on what was at stake last night and they rarely threatened they just there was no energy there was no sort of intensity to their play and it's been like that Shane there for a couple of weeks like going out to to Sheffield United in the FA Cup was it was a massive mm. blow for them and then the defeat against Wolves and they followed up with a bad result against AC Milan and it's inevitably going to lead to Conte leaving the club um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens before the end of the season but I think 
Really, uh, you think he might, might he won't see oh, out yeah. even the season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he wants to be there. I really don't think he does, um, and I don't think the fans want him there, and I don't think the players enjoy playing for him. So I would not be at all surprised if that was to happen before the end of the season, and if they could get somebody. I mean, the natural kind of substitute is Pochettino comes back to the club. He knows how Levy operates. He knows probably the constraints that he has to operate in. They're probably looking at Harry Kane now and thinking, how do we nail him down? Get somebody that he enjoys working with back into the club and try build from there. So I, I would absolutely not be surprised if if Conte's gone. But strip it away from Conte, like they've got problems all over the park. They're they're really lacking a centre midfielder. Romero is a good defender, but he's a liability. Like he's consistently getting sent off and he's making mistakes and he's just diving into tackles already on a yellow card which is just naive defending and uh, Son has lost form Kuliszewski doesn't look like he's he's the same player since injury Richarlison they brought in the summer Perisic they brought in the summer uh, Basuma they brought in the signings haven't worked and it's you're kind of looking at Tottenham and they've got this fantastic stadium but no players to play in it <laughs> that's a very a very valid point is, is there sorry like not to go against your points and from the footballing point side of things obviously he has to go is there a human element to this at all Paul in terms of the manager was very unwell he's been missing for for a large period of time we don't know how serious the the gallbladder issue was and the surgery and everything else you know as mentioned he's lost three of his best friends Mihailovic Viali and and the, the Spurs coach Gian Piero Ventrone like do sometimes we take for granted I'm not saying you are in any way but in some, like as, as football fans we sometimes take for granted like top of my head when, when Shane Duffy was going through a really bad time it's like oh he's mm. awful he's awful and not really taking the, the human element side of things Jaden Sancho was given a bit of time off and, and so on and so forth do we have to take that into consideration? Yeah I think you do I think it's it's probably a balance of the two to be honest with you Shane I'd yeah. say naturally enough the people that he's lost who are very close to him will absolutely I mean he's, he's human at the end of the day are going to impact his own emotions and then him being unwell um, that's probably led I would say Conte to, to wanting to go back to to Italy hmm. and there's a couple of positions there with some of the top clubs that might become vacant that he could walk into but I would say that's combined with the frustration that he feels that Daniel Levy is is not willing to dip into his pockets and and add quality to the team and he's he's said that consistently that he doesn't feel like he has the foundations there to build a top team we know what Conte's like he wants to win trophies he wants to be competing at the top and while he's not backed by Levy I'd say when you combine that what's happening in his personal life it's only going to lead to him walking out of the club Mm. well never mind bringing in players one player that Spurs fans will be praying they keep hold of is Harry Kane and here's his thoughts after yesterday's exit from the Champions League I think today was okay um I don't think we was we was at our best. We had some moments in the game where we need to be need to be better. Um, similar to the Wolves game, good positions on the pitch where maybe other teams at a high level punish punish you, and, and we're not quite doing that to the opposition at the moment. So um, look, we gave it everything. We left all our energy and our heart on the pitch, and it wasn't enough. But over the two legs, if we're brutally honest, I don't think um, we can say we deserve to win. It was even games pretty much both games and uh, it come down to yeah a decisive goal not used to talking to you after two or three games without without a scoring I mean I'm obviously we needed to score a couple tonight it's been an issue over the last couple of games hasn't it what can you can you put your finger on it yeah I think well I said after Wolves you know um, for me we just lack a, a little bit of hunger and desire to you know to get on the score sheet um to be better to, to make sure um, yeah we're affecting games it's not enough at this level just to be on the pitch and um, 
play half decent but not affect the game and that's kind of where we're at at the moment we've got um, we've got to be more effective especially in, in the opposition final third because we're getting into good positions and we're just not quite taking control of that and um, so yeah look, we now we go uh, we come here again and play Forest on, on Saturday and hopefully we can uh, score a couple of goals and, and have a big push for the end of the season well we have we have to turn it around don't we yeah there's no option you know um, tough week for everyone the fans especially and um, yeah we just need to, to push now obviously top four is the only thing we can play for and um, yeah, that's what we can do we've we done it last year we had a big push towards the end of the season but um, yeah we just have to keep fighting and, and see where see where we go Harry Kane speaking to Spurs TV there uh, David Connolly will Harry Kane be a Tottenham Hotspur player next season um I, th- I think, look, I'm sure he looks at Bayern Munich, right? And and we all, everyone would have probably watched that game yesterday and, and sitting down, couldn't wait for it. And you look at them and you go, well, I mean, goodness me, you know, it, 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 if he went there, like he's going to be, he's going to be winning trophies. He's going to be in the, you know, the final four. He's going to be in the the, the the finals of Champions Leagues, there or thereabouts. He's not going to get that at Tottenham, right? So is he going to be there next season? Well, he's got a year in his contract. I mean, Levy is a... Um, a very very tough negotiator, as 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 we know. Has he been supported probably as a striker? Well, I've been one myself. You know, the players that he brought in were they brought in to serve him? You know, say for example, Richarlison and and Kulusevski. Like, could they have got anyone else that would have maybe helped or satisfied Harry Kane? I don't know. All I do know is they were linked with James Madison. Leicester, you know, pumped them four one. You know, that creativity that, that Tottenham have always kind of had in their ranks down the years. I mean, you know, Richarlison is not that that type. Um, and as as well as Song gets and, and Kane do really well together, they just they I think they lack a player like like a like a James Madison, that creative type. Uh, you know, Ollie Skip and, and, and Hoiberg are two terrific, really good holding the field players. But you know, if you rely on wing backs the whole time, I think you're in you're in big trouble, you know, because like I think I think it was Cruyff who said, if fullbacks were 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 you know were that great at crossing, there'd be wingers. Now there's a little bit of truth in that with the wingbacks because I I just don't see enough quality going into the front. If you play a back three, your wingbacks are going to be so important. So, uh, and I got to be honest, I saw Sheffield United the other night against Reading played a back three better than I see Tottenham play it. You know, and and that's at their level, right? So. I don't know whether the setup suits Kane, whether he's got enough creativity. Ugh, I think he'll be there because he got a contract, but I, I, I think he probably should be somewhere else, like a Bayern Munich, where he's where he'd be banging in goals and winning stuff. Mm. Rebecca, I do want to pose a Harry Kane, Harry Kane question to you, but Paul Curry, there's a goal in Larnaca. But to who? Yeah, 2-0. Uh, Mikel Antonio again. It's a really strong finish. It's a nice ball from Declan Rice to find Antonio's feet. Gets turned probably a little easy on the edge of the box, but he just uses the defender. He guides it into the top corner. So some much-needed goals for West Ham. Very much so, very much so. Rebecca, um, continuing the, the Harry Kane conversation, if Harry Kane has any ambition as a footballer, surely he would want to be leaving Tottenham Hotspur, or is this whole one-club man... Like, is that just a bit fairy tale stuff? Like, I mean, if you're a footballer, you want to win things. Yeah, most definitely. Like, I think the, the weight on his shoulders is, is getting heavier by the, the season, you know. Um, like, you look at him, you can go on about this one club man kind of thing, you know. But when they're they're not even, you know, challenging for, for finals, 
bear, what the, the Champions League final a few years mm. ago against Liverpool. You know, he has to be you know ambitious enough to to try even somewhere else and you know maybe finish out his career as Spurs something like that. But um, yeah, most definitely. Look, he's he's been carrying that team for a long time now. You know, you've, you've Brazil's number nine in the squad and you've World Cup winners in there, and you know they're not doing anything um, for the club. So yeah, I think it's it's you know inevitable that he does leave and, and goes on. Where would he go, David, if he if he was to leave? Because obviously there was the link with Manchester with Manchester City and, and they've taken Haaland. He's unlikely to probably go to any of the London clubs, I would imagine. In England, that's for sure. Hence, I, I would have thought somewhere like a, like a Bayern Munich. I mean, they don't have a... Two promoting's done well for them. But, you know, a Bayern Munich, he would, I think, suit them brilliantly because, you know, they've got so much pace and creative talent in and around all areas of the pitch, you know, that they still need a striker like Chupamotin's got 17 whatever look he's done well to replace Lewandowski but I'm sure that's a stopgap for them and someone like like that I think you know Harry if he, if he got the opportunity to go buy a Munich I mean goodness me I, I'd imagine he'd take that with both hands because I don't think he can do any more you know like, a bit like Rebecca saying what more could he do mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone would wish him you know anything but the best of luck and just say well you know what as a club and they probably failed you know, failed in terms of, you know, whether it's Poch or whether it was getting in the right players. Because look, Richarlison, but Richarlison sees himself as a striker. I mean, he kind of is competing with Harry Kane. And you've got Son there as well. So I just don't think the supply has been right in the wide areas or, or in behind him to satisfy him this season, never mind anything else. And, I, and I, it's an opportunity missed because really, I, yeah, you know, I, I, I think he has to move on. I do. I say Man United would snap him up, and I would be previewing the Europa League. So they'd, they'd absolutely have Harry Kane. Um, with respect to Wout Weghorst. Uh, before we do chat Man United, uh, I do want to mention Paris Saint Germain. We're being awfully negative here this evening, Paul. But however, uh, PSG's 11th consecutive attempt at winning the Champions League ended in more misery. Is it time to just rip it all up and just start again for PSG? Well, yeah, they've, they've, the Qataris have spent a billion euros since they've gone in there and they haven't produced, I guess, the displays to bring home the trophy that they all wanted, which was the Champions League. And Last night, Shane, was, was such a contrast of two different styles whereby you have the team built around two superstars typically three mm. but two superstars in Mbappe and Messi and they do absolutely no work off the ball and they they I guess wait for moments of, of quality to open up the team and hope that one of the two players will produce some moment of magic to to open for, for PSG and then you, you flip that around you've got Bayern Munich where there's there's don't get me wrong international players dotted throughout the team but no real superstars who work really hard they're set up in a really you know, solid way. They've got a system that works for them, but they all work really hard. And you know, the the system, the enthusiasm, the attitude of Bayern Munich was always going to win out against mm. that Paris Saint Germain team. I mean, they they don't have to get out of second or third gear in league on too many times. They win that league every single year, and it's very difficult to just switch it on and off when you come up against better opposition. And Bayern Munich were just too good, too ruthless. They created a couple of chances last night. It could have been more. Mm. Mane was just offside. Chupo Moting had another goal dislayed for offside, and they went through worthy winners. Mm. Jan Sommer made a few good saves as well. Just to he also him. made a blunder as well. I'm not sure if you saw that. No, no. Yeah, but I didn't want to mention that because I'm trying to give a bit of love to the goalkeeper the union parties. Read the narrative, man. <laughs> um, David, I want to pose a question to you that I posed to Rebecca about Harry Kane. But in terms of Kylian Mbappe, if he wants to drive on with his career, we've seen him rip it up in a, in a World Cup final and, and so on, and he only played for about half an hour or whatever it was. Like, I mean, if he wants to really push on and be the world's best, simple as, does he have to leave Paris Saint-Germain? 
Well, what was interesting is that he 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 took the armband, didn't he, when mm. Marquinhos went off, and you know you got Sergio Ramos there, you've got you got Lionel Messi there, but but they gave it to Kylian Mbappe. I mean, I've, I mean, was I, I sort of look at things? Is that is that right? I mean, look, it seems like they're doing everything they can to pacify him. You know, you know, he seems to call an awful lot of the shots, although apparently not with signings, etc. Look, he's another incredible player. Incredible players alone don't win you, you know, don't, as we saw at the World Cup and as we saw last night against a brilliant team, you know, coached by a brilliant coach. And I'm sure we'll get onto Brighton in a minute, who are, I think, managed by the next superstar coach, I think. But, you know, Nagelsmann, yeah, it's not just about having the best players, you know, it's about having the coach that can get the most out of these players and the system and, and the supporting cast in and around them. And Barham were were brilliant last night for Mbappe I mean where does he go someone's got to buy him for a couple of hundred million more I don't, mm. I don't know who's going to who, who is feasibly who can pay that you know Newcastle won't pay it <laughs> Manchester City won't pay it with with uh, FFP yeah. a Premier League team won't I, Italian teams can't afford it Spanish teams are Barcelona going bust so it, it's a difficult one Cristiano Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe, and Javier Pastore front line over in uh, Saudi Arabia, perhaps. <laughs> um, and I think Guillaume Balaguer was even saying that Messi wants PSG uh, assurances before he even signs a new deal. So that'd be another player potentially on the market. Uh, you mentioned before we chat, chat Brighton, David. Let's just dive straight in. Deserby, uh, uh, would he go to Spurs if, if the opportunity arose, oh. or he's he's going well at Brighton? I tell you what, he might he might he might be getting out of Spurs league. Let, <laughs> let me tell you, I mean, I have. I've seen an awful lot of football and I've uh, some of the things he's got them players doing are, I haven't seen in the Premier League before or this season you know forget the inverted fullbacks that Pep's doing I mean it, it, he has got his players basically like playing in a in a telephone box <laughs> risking the ball in such tight areas but they're so well coached and, and technically able to it's hard to explain but he kind of plays like six players in a 20 by 10 rectangle and he gives them the ball and he hopes they can turn and play forward and I mean for Evan Ferguson it must be the absolute dream of an education a play under him I mean I know a couple of their players I've played with Adam Lallana I've heard what he's you know he said to me about him but with my own eyes I mean I, I think this guy this deserves guy uh, uh, you know I think he's destined for the very top as a coach which is great news for Evan Ferguson because if you're a player playing under that boy you're going to come on rapidly because his touch Evan's touch and hold up play it was like Harry Kane's against West Ham you know he didn't score but he got involved he was like a 10 at times dropping in as a midfielder like, he, didn't, he didn't have that many chances he had one taken right off his toe he was so unlucky a couple of yards out he, he had a simple tap in but it was great defending from West Ham in the end but I t- technically I thought Evan was was excellent and, and working under that coach with, with those technical demands on you is only a good thing for Ireland because his game is going to come on massively Is Evan playing well enough there David that he will be the main man there next season or will they look to, to bring in competition in that space do you well, think? Yeah I mean it's a good question right but what I would say is, is what De Zerbi has done is you know for example yeah, he, he played a um, Jason Steele in goal in the cup, right? And Jason Steele did really well. So he left Sanchez out and mm. he started uh, Steele against West Ham. He is a coach or a manager, I think, as we saw with Cucurella. You know, he takes no prisoners. He, he, if he has to make tough decisions, he'll do it. I.e., if Evan's playing well, he will back him and he'll say, well, 
we don't need to I believe in him you know we don't need to go and get someone else or he'll step up because I think I think Evans got in there ahead of schedule right but Deserby has backed him and said no he's got in there because he's merited it now you know he might regress a little bit but I mean he has come on from the last time I saw Evan mm-hmm. his touch and his hold up play has improved since the last time I saw him which was against Liverpool live so I mean um yeah, I would, I would, I would be saying Deserby's obviously a massive fan, and and you know I can only see Evan getting better. Well, hopefully that uh, begins with Ireland against France as well, and Evan starts up top, and who knows, heads in a winner. Uh, time is against us, so I'm just going to go round the houses here, and uh, one word answers, folks. Rebecca Craver, start with yourself. Will we see Man United uh, respond with a victory this evening in the Europa League clash against Real Betis? No. No. Said like a proud <laughs> Liverpool fan that is Rebecca Gray. Paul Curry, same question yourself. Yeah, I'll back my new at Old Trafford tonight. On the base of what they did against Barcelona, I think Batiste are naturally enough to step down from that level. So I'd, I'd fully expect Manchester United to win. Okay, that's one one apiece. David David Connolly, you have the uh, deciding vote. Uh, I think United will, but I think it'll be it'll be difficult. Yeah, Betis did well, right? The weekend, nil nil, Madrid. Mm. I think they beat United in a friendly in the World Cup break so it won't be easy but I think United yes Okay. well well, they certainly will need some sort of response Uh, I think they they suffered a bit of a defeat at the weekend but sure we won't talk about that Rebecca even though you'd (laughs) love to I wasn't going to mention it that (laughs) (laughs) way Right we hopefully will have some Man United team news before we go off air David Connolly thank you very very much Paul, Corey and Rebecca Cray you're sticking around the chat uh, League of Ireland Women's Premier Division but up next we will have our Eye on America with Jeff Shepard Game on Eye on America now it is a Thursday evening, so that means Jeff Shepard is on the line with his eye on America. Shep, great to chat as always. Let us dive straight in and start with some football news, and in particular, this quarterback carousel. Derek Carr is Saints bound. Looks like the Seahawks are sticking with Geno Smith, and my beloved Jets are going to sign up and enlightened Aaron Rodgers. All that before I even mentioned the intricacies of Lamar Jackson being non-exclusively franchise tagged. So, Shep, the floor is yours. Lay it all out for us. All right, Shane. Thanks, buddy. All right, yeah. So let's start with the easy ones. So, uh, right, Derek Carr has uh, was left the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, and he signed a four-year, $150 million deal with my New Orleans football saints um, who were, you know, really needing, you know, missing a, a serious starting quarterback. And so – I think he's going to find a nice home there. And if Michael Thomas, the the Saints' oft-injured wide receiver, can get it together, uh, I think Derek Carr is really going to like playing there. Uh, Geno Smith re-signing with the Seahawks, uh, staying in Seattle. Um, you know he, uh, you know, won out. He was going to. He was on track to be the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. I mean, had a really great season last year for the Seahawks um, and kept them in the playoff hunt late into the season as well. So then you get to the other ones. You talked about your Jets. And, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, nothing official just yet, um, but that's the thought process is, you know, maybe it's time that he has a, a, a separate a parting of the ways with uh, the, the Green Bay Packers. Interesting note here, Shane, uh, when Brett Favre finally hung things up in Green Bay, he was traded to the New York Jets. So maybe they can find that contract and just, you know, white out Brett Favre's name and just drop in Aaron Rodgers name there. That might, you know, save folks some attorney's fees. Um, and then, the last one that you mentioned, uh, Lamar Jackson. So, you know, he has not signed yet with the Baltimore Ravens. And so when you get into free agency, you have this option. You have what they call an exclusive franchise tag. So if the Ravens put the exclusive tag on 
uh, Lamar. Basically, what happens is is he's going to sign a one-year deal automatically with the Ravens, and it's usually at the average of, I think, the top five salaries for that position each year, which would be about $42 million this year. They put the non-exclusive franchise tag on them, which means they're taking – the Ravens are taking a little bit of a risk with this. If someone offers him a bigger contract, a better contract, and he's interested in it, the Ravens would have a couple of days to match that contract. If they don't, the team that would sign Lamar would have to give Baltimore two first-round picks as compensation. So basically the Ravens are comfortable enough to say, you know what, um, we'll take the 30-something million dollar hit on the non-exclusive franchise tag. But if somebody wants to sign him for more than that, we're more than happy to take two first-round picks for his services and we'll part ways with him as well. Okay, well, that is expertly surmised there. Very, very, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm clued in on this. So that's all likely to happen and, and a couple of permutations laid out there, but something slightly more unlikely, but still as fascinating has to be said is yet more Tom Brady storylines so the man himself has (laughs) somewhat flattened rumours here that he might still play but I mean his Fox deal doesn't start until next year so technically there's a free season so who might be the front runners to possibly come knocking on Brady's door Alright so yes I mean theoretically there's the chance that you know he could unretire yet again. <laughs> um, I, I don't necessarily see it happening this year. Um, he, he put some tweet out the other day that said, you know, it, it's um, something about trying to, it, it's so difficult, you know, something about his daughter getting a kitten. Like it's, it's, it, that's what his focus has been on the last, you know, couple of weeks is his, they're trying to like, you know, deal with this like three month old kitten for his daughter. That's where his, all of his focus has been since he retired. Um, so I think you have to go and I mean, look, quite honestly, quite honestly, Shane, all of the teams that would probably be interested in Lamar Jackson would probably be interested in Tom Brady as well. All the ones that need quarterbacks, you know, the Texans, the Titans, the, maybe the Lions, um, you know, San Francisco's got this whole situation with Garoppolo and Trey Lance and, and Brock Purdy. And then finally, you've got the Miami Dolphins who were interested in Brady before last season. Um, and would would they potentially move on from Tua or ask Tua to sit for one year. You know, he of the multiple concussions this past season, if they could get one season out of Brady. I, I just don't know if it happens. Okay. Well, listen, I don't know how difficult it is to look after a two-month-old kitten, but, I mean, his wife and kids <laughs> didn't stop him unretiring last time, but sure. That's true. Who knows? Who knows? Um, okay, lots to look forward to there. I certainly cannot wait for the NFL season. Um, a couple of injuries in basketball, just to finish on Shep. Yeah, so, you know, last week we talked about Kevin Durant making his debut with the Phoenix Suns, his long-awaited debut uh, after coming back from an injury. Well, he was getting ready to make his home debut last night in Arizona, and in pregame warm-up, Shane, he would look like he was going to go shoot a layup, and he badly rolled his ankle. So he's going to have an MRI. Uh, The newspaper out in Phoenix was reporting earlier today. They think it could potentially be a grade two ankle sprain, and he could be out three to four weeks, maybe even longer, which takes you pretty close to the end of the regular season. So as we talked last week, you know, this is a team that now has its sights set on an NBA championship. Not really sure how this is going to impact that, but they're obviously not as good without him, even though, you know, he's only played a couple of games there. And then the other big injury is LeBron James. He ro- he injured his right foot a week or so ago, and he is also out 
uh, for a couple of weeks. The Lakers just happen to be on the other end of the playoff spectrum. The Suns are going to wind up being, you know, the two, three, or four seed, and the Lakers are going to fight for their lives to get into the play-in rounds. And then, you know, if they're lucky, they'll be, you know, they'll make they'll play their way through that and then get into the big full postseason tournament. But uh, two big injuries to watch out in the Western Conference in the next couple of weeks. Okay, great stuff, Shep. Gentlemen, as always, we will be chatting to you next Thursday. We're going to take a short break, but coming up after, we're chatting domestic League of Ireland women's soccer action and we have team news from Manchester United. Game on. Football. Yeah, you're very welcome back to the final part of a game on Paul Corey. Manchester United team news is in plenty of changes from the weekend, I suspect. Yeah, they played so well against Liverpool, he's gone with the exact same 11 game. <laughs> so just as a reminder, that's David De Gea in goal. Back four of Dallo, Varane, Martinez, Shaw. Midfield two of Casemiro and Fred. Now, I would imagine Shane, he'll change it up how the front four um, operates. I don't think Bruno played from the left tonight. I would imagine it's going to be Rashford from the left, Bruno in the middle, Anthony from the right, and then Fair fair course up top. Just one player to pick out from the Batiste team, Joaquin, starting tonight, 41 years of age. My God. Big Joaquin fan. What a man. Likewise. What a man. What a man. Captaining him. Great stuff. Uh, in the Europa League, ongoing at the moment, Roma are still one up. Arsenal are drawing one all away to Sporting Lisbon, and AEK Larnica are trailing at home to West Ham United by two goals to nil. However, we are going to be reflecting on last weekend and previewing this weekend in the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division. Uh, Rebecca Cray last Saturday saw the opening set of fixtures with Wexford Youth, Shelburne, Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, and Piedmont United all securing victories in front of a collective crowd of 1,625. This represents a significant increase of 103% compared to last year's opening weekend attendance, which is great. Uh, those stats courtesy of extratime.ie. So hugely positive in that regard. Um, I suppose if we start with the big win in Talca Park, Shells 6, Cork City nil, and uh, Kayla Hamrick, Noel Murray, Megan Smith-Lynch all making the uh, team of the weekend. And I suppose that's a real statement win considering the, the defeat and the President's for shells and indeed the, the players that they lost in the off season. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I think it was in the girls' heads, you know, going out before the game that look we need to to make a statement, you know, and, and show the league that they're they're still there and, and thereabouts. Um mm. and I think the girls show that, you know, um they went out to a, a tough cork side, you know, it's never easy coming up against those girls. Um, you know, and, and they just stayed on top of the shells from from minute one to, to minute ninety or whatever it was. Um and we're clinical in front of the goal and I think that's what, what lacked in some years, you know, we kinda had a, a spread of goals. I know there was a good few goal scorers on the day, but like the likes of Noel you know, was was a link up player more than anything, um, and it was great to see the likes of Megan getting her goals mm. and and Kayla Hamrick who's come in for us. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. Um, came in from Houston Dash, really clinical, can use both feet. Um, and then Becca Devereaux, you know, young fifteen year old coming through, youngest ever scorer, youngest Chelsea, ever across yeah. the league as well. Katie okay. McCabe actually held that. Um, really for the league, I think it was for a long time. Okay. Um, and yeah, Siobhan Colleen as well, get on the the. Go sheep. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a promising start for for Shells. Yeah, hugely positive, and they'll be looking to uh, replicate the men's uh, result when they face Bohemians at three p.m. on Saturday. Cork Shells defeating Bows one nil. It will be interesting to see if the women can follow suit. Um, Cork and Galway both looking for their first wins of the season. As we mentioned, Cork were defeated in Talca Park. Galway uh, lost one nil at home to Wexford Utes. Just I suppose both looking for the first points. Who's going to come out on top in that one? Yeah, looking at that, I'm going. 
going to say Galway. You okay. know, although they are going to to play away, they're, they're just that. I think they have that that uh, edge above Cork, Cork at the minute. Okay, well, tough for, tough going for Danny Murphy and, and Cork. Then if he does start off the season with two uh, defeats, P Mount, um, a big win for them. To be fair, Athlone Town, as we mentioned, President Cup champions, second in the, in the league last year, cup runners up, and, and a really good season. Always going to be difficult second season syndrome, etc., etc. I feel for P Mount though; they enjoy people writing them off. Like the solid win away to Athlone, but they'll still want to be supposed dark horses. Oh, definitely, they love that under the radar status. You know, um, they they just love that kind of approach to any league season. You know, they'll always be there, thereabouts. But mm. I think the last two or three years, they've kind of you know hidden behind, say, shells and and the likes of Athlone now and, and and Wexford as well. So look, they'll be they'll be loving that, and that's a, a statement win as well. You know, three one against Athlone, who've been riding high the last coming off the back of of last season, and obviously the the Presidents Cup win. Um, but yeah, the likes of Duggan still still scoring goals and in a holding midfield position and you know Kate Mooney their new signing get on the score sheet as well so look it's going to be a promising season and I think every every uh, result over the course of last weekend was, was pretty close mm. bar shells mm. so it's going to be very much the same I'd say for, for going forward Peace host DLR Ways at half five DLR of course we're in the bye week last week at Lone Town uh, have no match this weekend in the 11 team league uh, Shamrock Rovers first home match this weekend they scraped a win away to Sligo Rovers and I know we were chatting about this off air Rebecca I suppose is this something that we're going to see Shamrock Rovers being able to last 90 plus minutes and have that bit of extra fitness that mentality that perhaps other teams mightn't have yeah look they still have got great players there you know really experienced girls that have been throughout the, the Women's National League over the last you know since it started um, obviously they've got the likes of Anya in there who who got the eventual winner um, you know so they have got that mentality and they're, they're not going to be anything to just shrug off and, and yeah look they're, they're going to be um, I suppose nipping at everyone's heels and trying to make their own statement uh, across the league Absolutely we've 10 seconds left Wexford 3 points from week 1 will it be 6 points come week 2 they host Sligo I think so yeah, I think you, you can't write off Wexford. They got the quality there. They they dig deep. So yeah, most Happy definitely. Happy days, clear and concise. Rebecca Cray, thank you very much. Apologies for rushing you, Paul Carey. Apologies I couldn't get you back in, but we have to finish because the RT Choice Music Prize live from Vicar Street in a four-hour extended show is up next after the news. Live across the nation and on the RTE Radio Player. This is RTE Two FM.